All right. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tap Calf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast hosted by myself, Corey, and my elocutive co-host, Mr. Eckhart Slatter. How are you doing, Justin? I am Justin? too uneducated to understand what that means, so can you... Uh, I assume it's a word. I just uh, conjugated elocution a little bit. Elocute. Like, it, you talk a lot. Okay. Or you, you're capable Speaking of, talk of talking. A lot, we're, we're we're taking viewers away from the uh, the uh, Canadian debates, debates yeah. tonight, aren't we? Uh, yeah, that, that I think that starts at eight. So that's Shit. just downtown for me. I uh, I might have that on. Where are they doing it? It's in the Canadian Museum of Natural History. I think it is. Okay. It's in Gatineau, I think. So not natural history. It'd be whichever one's over there. They should do it in uh, the SEC building with like. You gotta have like a, like a maple leaf like instead of having the seven or the nine judges, yeah. <laughs> I went to law school. Instead of having the nine judges, you have like nine representations of like Canadian life. So it's like they're arguing and debating in front of like a beaver, a hockey puck. You know, that's how I would do it. <laughs> Moderated by a Canada goose. <laughs> Moderated by whoever won NHL Player of the Year last year. <laughs> Sidney Crosby, welcome. <laughs> but yeah, so we got that. Um, how are you doing though, Corey? I, I'm good. I've got some Star Wars to talk about with uh, Tap Calf Transmissions podcast discussion of Shield of Lies, book two in the Black Fleet Crisis trilogy. But we've also got a special little bit of news today. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on this. It was a, a pretty minor announcement, but mm-hmm. uh, but there was a voluntary recall on no on cheddar cheese slices on all old by copies of of kotor because there's a new kotor <laughs> fallen door re- recall of kotor it's not canon anymore give it to us it's like the well that's what like happened when, the, when legends became legens right like yeah the the canons like are the gun through recalls and, yeah they they burned every copy of every legends book that's what i've been it's like the gun buybacks and if they catch you with a recall or with <laughs> a recalled product then it's like you go to jail like whenever I've got anyone who works from the government over at my house, they can't come in my office. <laughs> is that is that X-wing Rogue Squadron? That better be the re-release. <laughs> Let me see the Legends banner. Just parents standing over their thirteen-year-old kid. What did I tell you about Crystal Star? <laughs> I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> from Tapcalf. <laughs> we told you in this house you could do any kind of crystal you want except Star. <laughs> Fox <Yeah>. Meth. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, we got the uh, behind all our jokes and whatever else there. There is the, the, some real news. They did announce the Kotor, um, well, a remake. This is like the least surprising bit of news ever, but it's still nice that it's actually confirmed. Yeah. Um, so the news is, and I I was fiery about this. I'm still mad. I'm not gonna yell anymore like I was earlier to. Just myself in my office, but um. Well, you were yelling so at your daughter. Is... Let's let's paint it how it was. <laughs> no. no, you broke never. your phone. It was just she broke my phone by smashing. Okay, it. blame the one year old, right, for breaking your phone. Yeah, she's ten months. But um, Same so the news is Kodor remake. It seems like it's still in very early stages of development. Um, we don't know how deep of a remake it'll be. What they'll change. Um. At release, it seems like it's going to be exclusive to PS5 and PC, probably. 
Um, been a little bit of obfuscation there, but I think that's the way it's going to go. Um, and yeah, probably Xbox sometime later. Yeah, and like that's. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was gonna say that's really all we know. Like they're pretty early yeah. on, it seems. Like any amount of obfuscation in this situation, I would lean towards being an indication that the obfuscation, uh, like that it that it's going to be less exclusive. So it'll probably be PC immediately, because like they would not bury that lead if it was mm-hmm. uh, if it was going to be like truly PS Five exclusive for any amount of time. Like they would just be really pumping that up. Uh, mm-hmm. so it is disappointing. Like, I'm not a big fan of exclusivity for consoles unless it's something that just makes sense from a hardware perspective, which usually between PC, Xbox in particular, doesn't make as much sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would, now that it's kind of been clarified that it's at least coming to PC and it's probably coming to Xbox at some point after that, uh, that we have less confirmation of, but like PC has been definitely confirmed. I'm less annoyed mm-hmm. than I was uh but yeah yeah i'm less annoyed too it's just it's frustrating because like for me console exclusivity is a reward to um to companies that take like risks on indie devs like that's the best way it should work right or smaller devs or big projects that require a lot of funding like you know halo is is a good example and and uh obviously microsoft still holds the exclusivity to that because you know they were the ones who supported Bungie back in the day. And arguably, like, Bungie could have probably went, like, they're originally with Apple, I believe. But anyway, like, to me, that's how it's best work. And in this case, why I don't like it is because, like, this is not, you know, some indie paintball game that's mm-hmm. going to get, like, like 50,000 sales. Like, this is one of the biggest video games of all time being remade. Um, yeah. It's, like... They 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 had infinite partners who would not require console exclusivity, and it's like this is to me it just feels like they're wringing money out of a franchise that they've already gotten a lot of money out of, and nothing wrong with that. I'm happy they're remaking it, but to the detriment of fans, basically, because right. there are a lot of people who don't have. You know, it will. It seems like it will eventually come to Xbox, and that you're right. That definitely does soften it all a little bit. It's just it's just kind of annoying. Yeah, like. Even if it was a new game within Star Wars, but like a new title, then mm-hmm. I think there'd be even less of a negative reaction to some level of exclusivity. But because like KOTOR originally came out Xbox exclusive and, and that was at a time when exclusivity was a lot more common. But mm-hmm. like the thing that really makes it weird here was just like this is a game that's already been on uh, so many different platforms and it's a, a remake of that. So it's, it just seems really weird to choose that to limit it, especially when it's the first thing we're really hearing uh, coming out of Lucasfilm games other than the announcement of Ubisoft's game. So, mm-hmm. One of the big questions that everyone's been asking too is, is it Legends or is it canon? And I initially assumed Legends, and that's what the StarWars.com article, that's how I read it, but apparently it's actually not been confirmed yet. Um, so this could actually be a canon game. Um, I personally am not super concerned either way, um, but yeah, they haven't said. Yeah, so it'll definitely be something yeah. we talk about a lot as we get more news, but just before we uh, move on to the book, is there anything that you're hoping that they uh, that they do change about KOTOR? Like, are you hoping for just a straight graphical upgrade, or would you want to see some change to any game mechanics with it? 
Yeah, so everyone... Yeah, I mean, I, I want it to be a lot more... I, I want a lot more than a graphical upgrade because, you know, they've re-released it with HD graphics and slightly up textures and stuff. For me, like, my imagination can fill in the rest. Um, the cutscenes and stuff would be cool, but, like, yeah, I, I want a new game, basically. I want a new game with the same general story. But e even for me, the story doesn't have to be the same as long as it's kind of the same vibe, I think, would be... is kind of what I'm looking for. I, I'm not. I think I'd like to keep it an RPG. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, just make it an action game." I really enjoy the RPG elements of Kodor, uh, even if they do keep it like the because it's basically just a tabletop system um, with dice rolls and everything. It's kind of unique in that way. But yeah, what about you? Yeah, I'm hoping there's a bit, there's at least a bit of a rework to how combat works. Like I. Oh yeah, they, they definitely could make it better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want it to be too substantially changed. I don't think they'd be going that direction either. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's what Espear does ever. So uh, They did say, sorry to interrupt you, but they did put out an interview an hour ago. Um, and they said, this, the game will be built from the ground up, maintains the integrity and story, um, but it will be on another level than anything Aspire has done in the past. Okay, so that's, a, that's good, because that could mean that the... Because, like, I... I love tabletop RPGs. I play a lot of them, but uh, mm. there are some significant differences to how tabletop RPGs even work that kind mm. of detracts from how co combat and KOTOR works. Like, I don't hate combat and KOTOR, no, but it, I don't like it either. <laughs> so It's also hard for somebody to just... Even if you play other RPGs, it's kind of hard to understand a lot of it. Like, even character building can be kind of intimidating, I think. Yeah, like, but. when I did my last run-through, when you start off the game, it was, like, missing literally everything. Mm -hmm. And just, it just it's not a very engaging combat system mm -hmm. in a lot of how it's presented. Uh, it's just because, like, you move out of sequence, but then the the attacks are in sequence, and then moving takes you completely it's out very, of combat. It's like very it, clunky, It's yeah. something that, like, that's very different it, like, from how tabletop It, like, moves in and out works. of being turn-based and stuff. Yeah. 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 It's like, the... The most intense KOTOR combat you have is when you're leaving turn sequence to run around a table and throw some nades at someone. Yeah, which or I get think, that stim yeah, off or whatever, yeah. Which, like, I, I'd prefer finding a way to, to not have that. Mm -hmm. Like, I've, I've been playing Mass Effect recently, and they didn't really seem to have to upgrade much when they did Legendary Edition. Uh, no, they didn't upgrade much at all. Yeah, and that's a game that could get by how it how it is but i, I don't think mm -hmm. i think kotor like just misses that uh that yeah. mark like mass effect 3 they didn't change anything mass no. effect 1 got some reworking yeah um because like i was on the council when like when we were testing it before the game came out and they were like mass effect 1, but even that it was mostly just balancing like the sniper was changed for example and whatnot but like with 3 they hardly touched it um so yeah it's it should be it, sh it should be interesting i think i was gonna say something else i don't really remember what but um yeah combat is definitely the one thing that everyone points to um i mean a lot of it is like a lot of it does feel dated so that will hopefully they can update that will still keep being the kind of charm of the original game yeah we'll, we'll see what happens uh definitely excited for it so we'll keep an eye on that there's not really a huge amount to talk about with it yet which is why we spent well, it's probably on years already. off it's probably but like a 2024 thing would be my no guess. i i don't think it'll be that long 
No? Okay. No. I, I, I'm going to put money down November 13th, 2021. Oh, okay. That's a bold prediction. Yeah. Oh, did you watch the new Matrix trailer today? I did. Uh, I know what, you're, what you you've been big on the Matrix for the last few months, actually. But uh, yeah. I've been thinking about doing a, a rewatch because... You should. They're good. I watched them, I think, first year of university. I went out and bought some DVDs. I think I got ID'd <laughs> to buy them. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, one of them is R. I think the second one's rated R. There was one movie that was like... Uh, I think it was like PG-13 or 14, and I got carded for it. I was like, what the fuck? The second one has like nipples and stuff in it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine anything more grotesque. I I like I was watching the trailer and I was thinking I didn't remember enough from what happens in two or three to understand like how they could get back to this point because I remember like from three at the end of three <laughs> yeah and the all the robots are exploding and something but yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay uh, with that being said should we get into is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into the the story I will mention um, I kind of fucked up the podcast uploading we were a week behind we're gonna upload this on Saturday. And we should be back to normal. That's my fault. I thought, yeah, it was, yeah. It was just my fault. So um, we are changing that a little bit, actually. For the last few, we've basically been uploading them the day the next episode is being streamed. Uh, so everything mm-hmm. would be a week behind on the audio. Uh, but now we're going to be trying to release on Saturday, which we were doing before. Uh, but we should be we should be moving back, back to it. Saturday audio releases. So it, it'll be a bit more synced up for people who are sometimes audio, sometimes video. Or if yeah. any audio listeners want to get questions in before, that would have been pretty close to impossible. Pretty, yeah, it was difficult. Okay, with that being said, today we are discussing book two of the Black Fleet Crisis. This one is Shield of Lies. I didn't even look at the subtitle. This is Shield of Lies. Shield of Lies. Book two. Books really two through five of the Black Fleet Crisis. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of this book, Corey? Just give me your impression right off the bat. Uh, I actually liked it. I'm going to say that right now. That, that does not track with what our DMs have been the last few days. Uh, I dislike parts, but I really like other parts. I dislike the format, and I dislike certain elements of it, but I did enjoy it overall. Uh, I think there's some definite format changes that could have happened that would have made me enjoy it a lot more. Because uh, the way mm-hmm. this book is structured, there's basically uh, there's three main plots that you're following. There's Lando and his... Cer- or, and his uh, forensic anthropology on the Tauscon Vegabond, which is a ship mm-hmm. that he got trapped on at the end of the last book. Uh, that yep. is just like a mystery, kind of a grave ship almost from the the Quella homeworld. And yeah. so the first part of the book is all that, all of his chapters in a row. Second part of the book is Luke traveling around with Akana, a Falanasi of the White Current, in their search for the other Falanasi. And Luke's been told that this is what his mother comes from. So he's helping Akana with that. Uh, so that's the entire middle section of the book. Then the longest section of the book at the end is all of Leia's chapters and the conflict between the New Republic and the Yavitha, who are a mm-hmm. very angry race of bloodthirsty, quite literally, aliens from the Kornok Cluster who have captured an Imperial fleet and are about to attack or are attacking other worlds in their region. So Leia's chapters are mostly focused on the idea of, like, should the Republic protect those worlds? What's their duty to do? They Are they overstepping if they do anything? So, yeah. That's basically um, what it is. One thing that I actually really liked about this book is that 
And yeah, I, I think my main issue was... This is going to sound weird. My main issue was some of the storylines. Like, Luke's storyline, especially, I thought was weak. What I do like, though, is that the universe is written in a very different way in the Black Fleet Crisis. That it's never written ever again, really, that I can yeah. think of. Almost like... I don't want to say realistic, because that's not really the right, right word. But, like, it's written in a more, like... Hard sci-fi. Well, Yes, compared to whimsy, fantasy um, that Star Wars usually is. Yeah, and it's not even like necessarily it is. Yeah, it, it is hard side, but it's also just like we get like like I like a lot of Leia's books is like her dealing with like her cabinet basically, and the yeah. or not really her cabinet, but like the the New Republic's council and like her political al allies and her political opponents and like how she's dealing with all of these different organs of the state. And I actually really enjoyed that. Um, that's like, I've always said, I want like the West Wing in space. We don't quite get it. This is like maybe even the closest we get. Um, and like another example would be like when Luke is off on his journey, whenever they want to go to a planet, it like talks about the fact that they're waiting in orbit for like hours to get a chance to go down to the surface. Like how they have to wait because they're in this shitty little ship. Um, to like get thrown into a spot in the lineup. Um, and it's just like all that, all those little details are not usually included in the books. And it was nice. I think yeah. I, I like that in this story. It, like sometimes it bogs it down a little bit and I'm glad it's not like that all the time. But like when it came to, for example, how the fifth fleet was like there, like one of the big kind of combat events in this book is the fifth fleet is basically sitting in space um in the kunat cluster and they're like there's basically this scene where they're setting up scouting runs of all the the the, the avathan worlds and there's like a scene as that's happening where leia is sitting in the war room basically almost like something you would see in the west wing or like another kind of dramatized show like that where they've got the big kind of mission status board and they're watching all the x-wings goes up and they're all being uh they're getting kind of live information back mm -hmm. and the x-wings are dying it's very tense but like it's over essentially a scouting mission which is kind of a cool bit of military strategy you don't normally get yeah i think one of the things that leia's section suffers from uh a bit more than the other ones is leia is not likable in this book uh and there part of it comes from the fact that everyone's kind of like holding her hand through all these political processes, which is sort of what Leia is supposed to be good at. Yes, your public image does matter. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like part of it is trying to portray her as like, oh, she's uh, she sees herself as more principled than what she's uh, being talked to about. Like part of it is like what you're just mentioning there where uh, one of her advisors or one of the council members is saying like, oh, we're trying to plan this kind of publicity event or... St not stunt but like they're trying to it's just get like it's it's just optics like yeah. you're just trying to work on your optics and it's literally just trying to explain what leia's position is when there's a bunch of people trying to spread around that she's incompetent and leading the new republic into disarray and she's like no they shouldn't believe that anyway but it's like leia you're supposed <laughs> to be a competent politician and mm -hmm. part of what she's like part of the explanations from other people about how the government works to leia are supposed to be like their explanations to us as the readers about how the government works mm -hmm. but it ends up making it feel like uh leia's president for the day and won a competition 
that isn't yeah. an election and hasn't been doing this for so long. And especially when you compound that with the fact that uh, Ben Kilnam points out, like, Leia, the rest of us have kind of served from the lower levels of government. You've only ever known government from the top. Then you'd expect her to know the inner workings of her cabinet a little bit better or uh, what she's mm-hmm. going to get from any advisors. So that just seems like the first thousand-ish parts. So I, I'm reading the ebook version. It didn't have page counts. But the first half of Leia's section is more her being kind of annoyed at everyone trying to get her to explain herself or the fact that she is in any way accountable to people. And the second part, it clears that up a little bit more uh, because there's a bit less explanation of like, this is how the government works. But Mm -hmm. it is part of it that I didn't love about her section. It's also a little frustrating because I felt almost like the book went out of its way to not use other bits of like legends um like we talk about how some authors are really good at like even if it's just a little reference to a character who appeared like kevin j anderson does that sometimes like if there's you know like if there's someone in the new republic that is going to be on leia's council he'll try to find somebody who's mentioned somewhere else whether like in the Thrawn trilogy something else he's written when in this book it's like every single character on leia's cabinet Mm -hmm. and like I, I looked it up. Like every time a new character comes up, I look it up and be like, "Oh, this person was Leia's advisor during the Black Fleet crisis." And you look down to appearances, and it's like, "Never before, never again." And I found that a little bit frustrating because it makes the book feel a little disconnected from everything else. And in a way, it sort of is because there has been a bit of a time jump since we've got a book really from this perspective, like to this degree, probably since the Thrawn trilogy. Really, since we've got a super heavy, like New Republic politics uh, story. But, like, I didn't feel like they did themselves a favor by, the books do themselves a favor by kind of cutting off from all those past references. So, I definitely agree with part of that, but there was a bit that was brought in from, like, uh, source books, at least, where, like, Doman Barris had come up before with, like, the signatories of the New Republic stuff. Yeah. It's a different Doman Barris that they had to retcon into a different Doman Barris because the original Doman Barris is a woman and this is described as... Uh, being a man. So I think that's how it gets changed into original Doman mm-hmm. Barris is from Corellia, this one from somewhere else. But mm-hmm. they're related. But part of, I think, what that comes from is that this came out only within a few months of even act the of Rogue Squadron. So mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been a huge opportunity to include other stuff. This was at a time when, like, Legends books were coming out pretty hot and mm-hmm. fast around each other. Yeah, that's so fair. So who, who knows what information they would have been able to incorporate. It was definitely after the Thrawn trilogy, and there's some definite references to that. I think the slicer that Akana is yeah, referencing is that supposed, was supposed to be Ghent. Ghent yeah. but, uh, and there's like an actual reference to Thrawn. Uh, but yeah, it, it would be would have been nicer if there was more references to other stuff that gets established. But mm-hmm. with Shield of Lies and Rogue Squadron coming out in 1996, I don't know when exactly before the storm came out, I'm not sure if it was the same year or the year before, but like they were, their hands were a little bit tied with that. Uh, I'll give two other examples then. So these are two that I picked up while I was reading because that is a good point. But for one would be, um, so you know how Lando, when he's inside the ship, he's got that um, little maintenance cart that he uses basically to hold the hole open when he's cutting through the hull. Yep. So that breaks and. They find it and they're like, oh, this belonged to X and X, one of Lando's old associates. 
I was just thinking, like, if that were me, I think that'd be super fun to say, oh, that believed to someone, that belonged to someone from the Lando Calrissian right. trilogy, you know what I mean? Yeah, that would have been definitely doable, because they did come out. Exactly, yeah, those were, like, the 80s, so it's, like, you don't have to, but that would just be a fun little reference, because, like, of course Lando's, like, still got the maintenance cart from somebody he was bumming around with. So I was thinking we should read those soon, maybe after these. I think that'd be fun, but, um... But yeah, another example would be uh, when they were talking about like the parts manufacturers for C-3PO. It's like that's one thing that's been around for a long time. Um, and like that's one example where he made up like the processor manufacturer for C-3PO where like didn't have to. It's not really a big deal. It's just yeah, just kind of leads to it feeling a bit kind of disconnected, I guess. Yeah. So... Uh, I guess to get back to the format a little bit, because we did touch on that. Uh, but like, I actually went and checked when I was about halfway through the book to make sure that it wasn't just the ebook I was reading that organized it that way in some sort of weird choice. Like I was that sure that it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. But the, the my physical copy of the book had it the same way. And it just, it does really make it feel like they are three separate books. And like... Especially how they end. Yeah, like... It, it's all none of it connects yet. Some of it will connect. Uh, next book, kind of. Actually, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. ever actually really connect. But it's no. supposed to connect thematically more than anything. And having them so separated, like in the actual physical book, makes it a lot harder to pick up on the thematic connections than mm-hmm. in Before the Storm, where we actually we did talk about them a little bit with how the different species we were talking about interacted with the galaxy between the Yavitha and the Quella and how the New Republic was approaching its situation. But when it's like this, it does, it just feels like I read three books in a row where there's like, maybe there's some connection there, but it was a lot harder to pick up on. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I mean, there's like, there's definitely benefits and disadvantages of putting it that way. Like, I think some books are notorious where there's like one section that's really weaker than the rest. Like I think of when I was reading like, a Song of Ice and Fire, like those books, and it'd be like, I'd really want to be reading like a Tyrion section, and I have like 10 brand sections or whatever, and I'd just be like, oh my fucking god. Or like, even if this, like, if this was, uh, I agree it would have been better, but I just think like how miserable I would have been every time I flipped the page and saw like another Luke section, you know what I mean? Yeah, but the flip side of that is that what you're that'll mean is just long. like, you're just, yeah. well, you're also going to have more people that are where the, the benefit of it is that they can just skip the Luke section entirely, which isn't really, really a huge can. defense of the, of the format. No. And so, like, that's kind of the weird thing, too. So, the three plot points, let's let's kind of talk about where they end, or where they start and where they end. So, the first plot point, and the one we get first, the first section of the book, is Lando and the crew in the Taljacon Vagabond. It's... An interesting situation because they're going through the ship. They're kind of running low on supplies. Um, the ship's very alien to them, and they find out later that's because they're wandering through, basically like a recycler uh, for one of the weapon systems, which was kind of a funny revelation. Um, and by the end of it, they found out a little bit more about the ship. Like they found out kind of a little bit how it works, but not really very much. Um, mm-hmm. And then with the the Luke section, basically that I think is probably the one where the least happens. He's with Akana, and they're kind of going through the galaxy trying to find um, her kind of her sect. Um, 
and they really are not very further along. She does find her father, however, he's basically so fucked up on drugs that he's got no memory anymore. Um, I think Luke does have a little bit of interesting character development because he spends the whole time traveling around with like a... She's like a hardcore, like... Yeah. How would you describe her, Corey? She's definitely a hardcore pacifist. Uh, She's like guilt trips Luke about blowing up the Death Star. Yeah. And... Yeah, like part of of that storyline was weird... Just because the the latter third or even half of it is, it's supposed to be about them kind of like coming to trust each other, mm-hmm. and like the getting rid of secrets between them. Because there's the last third really is just a bunch of moments of I lied to you, let me come clean repeatedly. It's mm-hmm. like, but this time, this time I'm telling you everything. But also this mm-hmm. time I'm telling you everything because there was something I withheld last time. But now I'm telling you everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. Akana's just. I She's also really hot and cold too. And like I don't know if this is meant to be this way. But it's like. She'll be not cruel to Luke. But very very cold. Like after Luke saves her. From uh, what he assumes are Imperials. But may not be. Um, she's basically like. You know, she's really not a big fan of him taking someone's life in protection of her, which is, you know, fair enough. Um, but then it's like, it, see, it seems like sometimes she's really angry about that and sometimes she's not. And like, it's just sometimes she's like almost rude and like sarcastic and whatnot. And then other times she's like snuggling with Luke. It was a very kind of, which I guess is <laughs> what it is like being <laughs> with uh, with somebody that you're not really familiar with. But I thought that was a bit strange. Yeah, like when we first met, there was a lot of arguing and then snuggling too, so it mm-hmm. makes sense. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, for how she sees what Luke does, if she was really being that consistent with her views on like Luke actually did just murder all those people, you'd think she'd mm-hmm. be a bit more off put by him and wouldn't have like sought him out. But she does need him, and like part of it is that, or part of the thing with uh, all these revelations of like okay, we're, we really trust each other now, uh, mm-hmm. is that we know this is all a big con anyways. Like, yeah, she doesn't believe she's helping him find his mother. Uh, and ultimately, the storyline doesn't really go anywhere, even in Tyrant's Test. Yeah, from uh, what I remember, not really. And the, the thing with her father was kind of weird, because that just kind of, like, came out of nowhere. And... Yeah, I, I didn't even know that they were close to finding him, really. Yeah, like... It. So basically, her dad is like, he's like this a slum lord now, and he's literally so fucked up on drugs that he's like, I can't remember anything older than a year, like like, he's like Dory with better with slightly better memory. Yeah, and I, I was just about to uh, to reference a story point in Mass Effect as having come from this, so I I can't really shame him too much. <laughs> um. So, okay, so those are the first two stories, uh, the first two plot lines. Um, one thing that I thought was really weird about the first one, and I guess really this whole book, and I kind of mentioned this to you when we, were, when we were messaging, is how, like, this book is also really focused on, like, characters making big leaps of, like, logic and, like, them talking through how they find things. And it's, like, 
everyone is very familiar with like mathematics and science, how everything works on a ship, how the hyperdrive works. And like, I guess fair enough. But like, there's one point where like Lando's doing like a, a cubed uh, like exponent in his head and like <laughs> mad division and like mental math. And it's just like everyone in this book's kind of low key a genius, but also not at the same time. Did you yeah. find that too, or? Yeah, there were there were definitely elements of that, and like it's definitely. Uh, kind of felt like the author was trying to show off at some points. I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think I got quite that from it, but like it's definitely more overt in that it's trying to tackle bigger ideas than you might expect from a Star Wars book than other books in Star Wars that kind of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. It was a bit annoying having like every character, every conversation with them being kind of uh, just like them spewing their philosophy. Yeah. Or even like, I guess an example would be like normally in a Star Wars book, it would be like we set up the sensor. But in this book, it would be like Lando looked at the wall. He's like, oh, because of Mott's law and the cubed in the dimensions of this room and Lando did the math and he cubed six and it's like. That means that waves will bounce off this wall. However, because of the Streisand effect, it's like, like <laughs> the okay, like, deleted social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminds me of I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Black Dynamite, um, but it's got a really funny part where it's like riffing on those kind of movies where the whole groups um, sitting together and they they like figure out the the big mystery. It's like the killer left breadcrumbs, and he's like bread. Cereals made out of grain. Grain. And he's like, grain is sometimes in fields. Fields. Larry Fields. Okay. The killer's yeah. Larry Fields. Like that. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think that also contributes to a, a thing where the book almost feels too sterile. And, mm. like, even the moments that are supposed to be really visceral, really emotional, and those are usually uh, coming in the sections with the Avitha where like you get the stuff with Platt Mahler who survived the kind of like complete extermination of his planet yeah. and he's still alive. So we're kind of seeing things from his perspective in certain places or seeing how Leia's reacting to like uh, how she's being perceived, how she's uh, even just like the new Republic getting the images from these planets that the Avitha are wiping out mm. and it's, None of it really has much of an emotional impact because everything does feel like it's just sterile, presented technically, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I like the. I guess the comparison point would almost be Alphabet Squadron as being the opposite of that, where like mm-hmm. both are trying to address like how do you deal with uh, war and the aftermath of war and people involved in war. Uh, and, and like, like that book's all feelings and it's like feelings for an entire chapter <laughs> yeah well it, it does it doesn't just go that way but like mm. it's you get a better sense of the views of each character from what they do and how they act rather than just uh like you get kind of chasse's view of the world more from how she's acting than from how Akana just says, I don't like violence, but also I'm going to act no different towards you for the rest of our time together than if I did mm-hmm. like violence. And you'll mm-hmm. only know that I don't like violence from me bringing up that I don't like violence. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. That's a good comparison. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm not... 
I'm kind of happy that this book exists, though, just because it is yeah. very different. Yeah, I and... don't dislike it. It's just those are... No, and... Both sides. The mil- no, totally, I agree. But, like, the military stuff especially, like, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Where it was, like, you know, usually, like, when you read Star Wars military stuff, it's, like, it's it's very bare bones. But this is, like, you know, they're talking about, like, logistics and, like... I don't know. Lots of interesting stuff that I enjoyed. Yeah, like there's a very, very clear thing with each of the military scenes of like, if we do this, stuff is going to get fucked up. Like we're going to lose people. That actually means something, uh, mm-hmm. rather than just good guys are going in to save the day. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're not gonna win because, you know, we ran out of scout droids. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Which is oh okay yeah and that makes sense. It sounds like minor, but that's that's imp- that stuff's important. It's something you literally never hear about in other Star Wars books. So it is really cool that it's covered mm-hmm. how it is. But there, as much as I do think or agree with you that like the Luke and Akana sections are the weakest, there is part of it that spoke to me on a level that uh, I don't think most people will appreciate. Uh, Bureaucrat, bureaucratics, and like no, why would that speak to me? Over the... I don't know. They go to the they does go to a planet called <laughs> they go to a well this does have to do with where I live or have yeah. lived but they go to a planet mm-hmm. called Tyr which has mm-hmm. one thing that people go there for a big rift people go there they see it <laughs> oh, and man. it's the the locals say go the way the uh, the tourism is done is go see the rift then go home because no one fucking mm-hmm. wants you there and growing up in Niagara I can I can just relate to that. On a on a much deeper level, and I think a lot of yeah, people... Yeah, where's the Tear Wax Museum? Although, I guess there is a similar, like, the, the Jabba... They've got, like, a fake version of Jabba's palace, which is, like... Yeah. I was like, how, how do they know everything that went on there? But, like, that's kind of, like... That was something that would be in, um... That's something that would be in Niagara yeah. Falls. Anyway. Yeah, so that... That, that really shot up the Luke and Akana section in my... Mm-hmm. In my view, because they got that perfectly right. Yeah. the The problem with it was that the rest of the planet did seem like livable and habitable, whereas the rest of Niagara Falls is just complete shit. <laughs> so, part of the problem too is also like it's it's purposely so exhausting, like their journey, because they're in, like the slowest ship ever. Like they've spent like they spent like a like weeks traveling between planets because they're just in this fucking bucket, like. Every planet, they're, like, driving or flying for, like, three days at, like, sublight speed just to, uh, just to get out of, um, like, the gravity well and past the safe zone where he's like, yeah, if I was in the Falcon, I could have just fucking jetted out here, no problem. Yeah. There, there was something else that came up, uh, in the more military side of, like, how dangerous it is to just hyperspace jump and how disorganized that can get, Mm -hmm. which didn't... I kind of like that, but I also, I don't know how well that fits with how, like, everything mm-hmm. else works, where, like, hyperspace is just a normal thing everyone does. I don't know if it's yeah. just, it like, it seems to be that the difficulty would come from doing an organized or deep jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, it seems like stuff was getting lost on the way or having a type drive blow up. When these are things that civilian cars al- or civilian ships also have. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know if that really landed for me. I I thought it was funny how like everything the uh, the fifth fleet does, which is like the fifth fleet is the New Republic's like new like very 
advanced fleet, all new warships. Everything they do, they're like, yeah, we lost a ship. Like, like it's like, yeah, yeah. our crews are blew out in engines, so it's <laughs> like they're going to maybe meet us next week. Yeah. <laughs> it's going home. Um it's like even uh, even at the at the very beginning of book one, I, I'm pretty sure they lose a ship to like a hyperspace malfunction, like yeah, a collision. And it's it's war games. There's not even a real enemy. Yeah, someone was brewing some coffee and accidentally drained all the hydraulics from the ship, so we're leaving. <laughs> yeah, so that was I thought that was uh, kind of funny. Um, there was also a, a funny little section. Well, not really funny, um, where there is this like group who's they're going to like try to find information about the quell so they go to the home world and they're like oh we don't need special people to drill through the ice to get this sample because they, they're trying to get the quellas full I, I guess they just want a biological sample so they have their dna and whatever else and they just cause a massive avalanche and bury themselves yeah <laughs> it's like all that chapter is about is about them burying themselves too eager them all dying yeah well too eager they're uh, there was one other thing with the Platt Maller storyline story where he wants to... So this is during the Leia section. Uh, Platt Maller is the survivor from one of the Ethan genocides. And uh, he's a Gran. So mm-hmm. he is... He's in the hospital and Akbar takes a personal interest in him. And so Akbar shows up in his hospital room. He's like, I'm going to stay here until you wake up. And the yeah. guy wakes up. He's like, how am I going to pay for all this? Akbar says, uh, "You're not American anymore, son." Well, that's the thing. I I was unclear on Akbar's comments of like, was he saying the New Republic is going to take care of this for you, or the New yeah, Republic takes care sure. of this for you? No, I, I, he was definitely referring to just him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got it's that like if too. you're not in the New Republic, like you better have. I was trying to make an Obamacare, layer care, but I don't know if I can. Organicare. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, or else you're fucked. <laughs> we don't. We domestic policy never really gets covered in Star Wars. No, uh, did you find that? I I thought this book kind of um, made the um, the early New Republic power a bit confusing. Like it seemed this made it seem like Leia had more executive power early on than I kind of felt like she did. Did you get that too? Or? Early on, is in like before. Like early on. In the before Mon Mothma retired, like it almost seems like, yeah, I don't know. Like to me, this kind of ignored Mon Mothma was chief of state for a long time. I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean. Like, I I don't know. I I just like it talks about her giving like an address like early on, like when the New Republic was formed, and like I was just thinking, like, why would Leia be the one doing that? Well, it it seems more like they were talking about a bunch of speeches being given by different rebel leaders. I don't think that was really taken away from Mon Mothma. Because, like, the book does uh, give a lot of Mon Mothma flowers. Yeah, it seemed like there was some sort of reorganization, too, in the New Republic. Like, when they moved... Yeah, I mean, there obviously was, because they have the Provisional Council, then they moved to Chief of State. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, because it's like the ruling council is essentially what the old ruling council was, but now it's just supervising the president, or not supervising the president, but like meant to hold the president accountable. But mm-hmm. like there's a lot of executive powers that Leia does seem to just have. Uh, yeah. And not quite know how to use. But like, I'm yeah, not sure like, that Leia should be that can... chief of state after this book. Yeah, I mean, admitting new 
states or new uh, systems is a pretty big one for an executive to be tied up in the executive alone. Like, especially where, like, she's pretty much using that as a way to maybe goad uh, the Evathanans in the war, and she can do that herself just by signing a declaration. Yeah, uh, it's like the Defense Council's on board, but, like, she's essentially declaring war unilaterally, I guess, purely with the executive branch. But, like, she... She's in the middle of dealing with the Evitha, and then Han and Leia go off on a vacation, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, you knew you were in the middle of a crisis, and they're like, oh, well, we'll never get away. It's like, this is not the time to get away. You did this in the last book, too, where you locked yourself in your room and didn't come out for mm-hmm. three days. It's like, if the New Republic can't get by for three days without us, it's like, no, you, you're, you're starting a war. You don't, you don't just declare the war and then, okay, heading out. Like, that, that's what you do your ted cruz or something yeah yeah it's like the new republic will survive but your political career might not because they're like minutes away from like recalling you basically yeah ron DeSantis style and like replacing you with like a bothan or something yeah like the leia's complete unwillingness to explain herself in any way to anyone including <laughs> the public it's like mm-hmm. I don't know. The the fact that she leans so heavily on the whole princess title, like maybe she is just a monarchist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, I still think she was more annoying in the last book where she's just like rude to everyone. Yeah. At like, least in this like, book, she gets like, much better towards the end of this one. Yeah. And but, at one yeah. point, Admiral Akbar's like, I didn't know if we were still friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, I don't know why he was locked out of her office. Like, because he tries to go through like the back way, in visitor, and the door code's been changed, and I don't think I don't think they really explain why. But well, uh, Akbar, we have a, I have a bone to pick with him too. A nice little fish bone to pick with him, because okay. he, like I said, he was like big on the whole Platt Mahler thing. So as uh, Supreme Commander, he's mostly mm-hmm. nowhere to be seen. Like other characters do comment on the fact that. He's not where he should be. Instead, he's Don't talking spend to Platt Mauer. Six days in the hospital, like yeah. Which, like again, maybe maybe nice you and Leia do. need to be involved in some of these decisions a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. But like he he tells Platt Mauer, you know what? You go if you want to sign up to be a starfighter pilot, you go do that. And Akbar pulls him up in the Akbar mobile to the recruitment <laughs> office, sends him in. Platt Mauer's gone for a few minutes. Comes back is like. The goat rejected. So Akbar <laughs> swims his little fish ass in there. And he's like, yells at two How random... How dare like, you? It's like, he's like, you you wrote these laws. Yeah, like, yeah the, the guy's like, okay, so first off, not a New Republic citizen. Second off, is an Imperial citizen. <laughs> what do you mean you can't join the Starfighter Corps? Shouldn't want to turn away willing people. Yeah. It's like, sir, it, do you, does Akbar think that guy wrote these procedures? It's like, no, your office probably wrote them because you've been the Supreme Commander for 20 goddamn years. And do you want to just give away the fighters to every Imperial who comes in? It's like, you don't need fighter pilots as much as you did during the rebellion. So, like, we didn't turn white people who were willing to fly. We used to send them in untrained and under-equipped <laughs> back in the good old days. 
Yeah, and I still remember them almost turning Luke back in episode four, but whatever. Um, They didn't let the former CIS members join unless they disavowed. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny because I'm re-listening to the uh, Rogue Squadron because the audiobook just came out, and it's it's really good, by the way, but... um, it's uh, it's reminding me of like the whole Tycho Selchu thing, where it's like, we'll put him in a starfighter. He won't get any guns. We'll put him in a starfighter. The the Lambda shuttle that he has. Yeah. Where he has yeah. to use the the tractor beams. And his Z ninety five for a bit as well. It's just like he's probably gonna die, but if he if he wants to, who yeah. am I to say no? <laughs> yeah, like uh, I I don't know. That that was some questionable decision making to me. Yeah. Well, he was embarrassed when he was walking away. He 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 said said as much and. My yeah, he wasn't did have quite spend, fiery enough. He did have to spend part of last book tired and standing alone, or standing tired on a race on a running track. So that's true. Literal fish out of water, with like no sympathy for him. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get as much focus on the fact that Akbar is literally being killed by his coworkers in this book. <laughs> you know, Akbar needs to hire an aide who just like has like at all times a glass of water you know like whenever like a whale gets beached on the shore and it's like people with buckets just like drenching it they need to do that with akbar as long as skin nice and wet as long as it doesn't turn into one of those videos where the whale just explodes (laughs) in the middle of a cabinet meeting i showed a few of those to kelsey she enjoyed them (laughs) um so do we ever find out uh those agents like they were drayson's right that luke killed (laughs) I don't know. Do you, I I did think they were imperial, but I mean, because I don't know. The New Republic doesn't seem like they're really cracking down on religion that much. Well, just following because like Drayson wants to know everything. Alpha Blue is not really. Ever oh, the ones following for, him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible. I don't think the ones that Luke killed. I think they were probably imperial, but because like Akana brings up the. The possibility that they're new yeah. public and like Luke Luke's was like, thinking oh, that element that was following them or allegedly mm-hmm. following them was Imperial. Like that doesn't make any sense. They would never work for the Empire. It's like oh shit, maybe the New Republic send, did send them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see. I like that part. That was cool. But yeah, there's there's still a whole a whole book of uh, of tyrants testing. So we haven't talked about oh, the Avitha yet. So yeah, I was going to say the Avitha are pretty crazy. Half the book is just this this uh, Nilspar being really horny. Yeah, like he's always horny. Like he's always like stroking his like his flaps. I don't even remember what they're called, but he's just always just like I just imagine him just like standing there and just like tw- like t- twiddling his nipples. Like <laughs> it's like we do. Yeah, we do get the first new Re- or the first Avithan victory over the. Mm. Over the New Republic at uh, at Dornick three nineteen, where mm. the Yavitha, the New Republic is about to go in on the Yavithan ships, and they start broadcasting hostages saying, "Hey, we're in here. Please, please don't bomb." But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they, me of uh, like a Vagari thing. That's what yeah. they do sometimes. Yeah, but they put them literally on the outside of the ship so you can see them. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the New Republic pilots were just like it says, just enough people kind of turned away at gunnery stations or in their mm-hmm. fighters to prevent any major damage from happening to any of Ethan ships. And that's kind of like the main thing that Yavitha actually do in this book. Uh, Cause the new Republic puts out their warning. Like if you guys keep doing this, we're coming in. It's not very cool. We'll smack you down. And they get smacked down in return. 
but Han mm-hmm. is going out with a new task force because mm-hmm. uh, everyone decided he'd be an unbiased and un. Yeah, it's like we need someone who Leia doesn't have too much sweat, like hold over. Let's get her a husband. Well, like, speaking of characters that get brought in from Trusa Bakura, we got some Kundertals, and from the Corellian trilogy, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, Senator Kundertal, who is just painted as like huge fucking racist mm-hmm. and absolutely yeah. useless human being. He was like, "Who cares if the savages kill each other?" Like, let's make let's let the savages kill each other, and we'll ally with the strongest one. Yeah, he was and saying like, like, "That's not super cash money of you, my dog." And, like, when Abad gets replaced, he's, like, saying, uh, I forget what slur he used to describe Abad. He's like, the alien doesn't want to kill the alien because they're aliens. But he, he yeah, uses some other term. Yeah, which seemed like, really unfair. Like, Abad gets treated really poorly in this. Because this is the second trauma he's had about leading the Fifth Fleet. Um, and I don't think he really did anything wrong. Like, no. his strategy his strategy was fine. It was, like, his pilots that let him down. Like... They were in a position to, like, even Nil Spar says as much, like, if that, like, um, hadn't worked with the, the slave, there, sorry, the, the detainees, like, that task force is going to be wiped out. So, like, yeah. 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 It's painted as, like, Tal Fran doing a really, like, doing a really smart thing as far as the strategy mm-hmm. goes from the Yvethan side. But, yeah, Abad gets treated really poorly. Uh, mm-hmm. then Senator Paramus is using a recording of Kundertal, who's in on these higher level planning sessions. Cause I think he's on the defense council. Uh, mm-hmm. he leaks that information to the Evita, which is part of how they're able to prepare in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that's how they capture Han actually, not yeah, the initial like preparations. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so the Evithan side, we can talk about Han a bit more, but the Evithan side is mostly just horny nail spar going on parades slaughtering people slaughtering taking people new taking new uh new myths so is the birth Brood cast mates. do the do the female yavithans like do they pop out a birth cask and then he like i don't think so i think that was just like that's their womb and they sit in a room while their womb is yeah and then their womb turns gray and stops working okay so the gray death is like their version of menopause yeah, because the wife was still alive after the great death. Yeah. Because at first I thought it was like, oh, her skin turns gray and she dies. But no. For one, their skins are already kind of gray. <laughs> <laughs> not to be racist or anything, but yeah. And he was like, yeah, like she's not useful. But we we keep her around. <laughs> <laughs> she's jealous that I'm having sex with 15 other women. Yeah. Speaking of, there's we both picked up on this. Um, yeah. They talk about how like. Luke could have like a million progeny and how like he could be kind of repopulating the the Jedi Order and I'm like she's not wrong although you know you'd have a thousand per, potential dark siders running around um but then she's got one kind of disturbing line about how like <laughs> we used to tell jokes about how Palpatine was busy during his nights I expected you to try to bed me by now basically and then he so, does like, right after that conversation <laughs> yeah but like I don't know like to me, I'm trying to like, gauge the amount of like romance between them, and it's like they're doing a lot of touching, but like, well, they're they're role playing as husband and wife on their adventures. But even outside of that, Luke's always touching her hand, and like they snuggle in his bunk, and I I think they just snuggle, right? Yeah. Like she's upset, so I don't know how far it actually goes beyond that, but like Callista's his non Mara actual romantic partner, so. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's her name? Um, 
Lumaya, Shirabri. I guess. But the and uh, um, um, what's her name from Bakura? Uh, Gariel Capdeson. Gariel Capdeson. Yeah. I mean, is that really any like? I was like, that's that more was him. that was like a crush. That was, that was like me referring to my my grade seven girlfriend as one of my great loves. <laughs> yeah, when, when reached for comment on that, Gariel could only say no. But then Luke does uh, kind of adopt her daughter, so. Mm-hmm. And then kind of lets her fuck up her life. Yeah. Um, any other notes you had, though? Let me just check mine. Uh, I don't think I had any other notes. Uh, there was something else about the Luke and Akana thing, but I, I don't think... Oh, one thing I noticed, especially because I'm kind of concurrently reading the Rogue Squadron book, is how the battles in this take place at, like, they describe shots being taken at, like, um, a thousand kilometers away. I was just thinking, like, how different that is from Rogue Squadron. It's like the K-Wing is, like, taking flak fire from, like, a thousand clicks away. Yeah. Um, which is, like, very, very different than, yeah. That's the yeah. military sci-fi, I guess. But yeah. All right, so we have a couple email questions for us today. So next week, uh, we are going to be doing the next Young Jedi Knights book. It's either Crisis at Crystal Reef or Trouble at Crystal Reef or Crisis at Cloud City or Trouble at Cloud City. I'm not sure which... Let me find uh, out for sure. So whichever one that is that Justin's about to Trouble say. on Cloud City. Trouble but on Cloud 13 City. Number 13 out of 14. Very sad. Yeah, so we've got... Two more of those. So the way it's probably going to go is next week we do uh, Trouble at Cloud City. Mm-hmm. Week after that, uh, we were going to do Tyrant's Test. And then for the week after that, we were talking about doing potentially Ronin. Do you think oh, we yeah, should still do that? that. or Because that'll be How two novels in a to row. the actual release date again? Uh, I think it's coming out on the 28th, and we'd be talking about it on the 30th. Um, because yeah, we can both be read it before then, and then that should be enough time for people to, yeah, get in should, on it. That should be fine. Yep. All right, so that's what we're going to be doing for that. Uh, or do we want to do the next two weeks as finishing Young Jedi Knights and then Ronin after that? But I don't think we want to put a month between now and the last Black Fleet Crisis book. No, no, I, I agree. We should do Black Fleet. Let's let's think about it and we'll figure it out for next episode it's not like you guys can read ronin in advance anyway so yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do young jedi knights we'll finish off um then we'll finish off this series all right so that'll be our next couple episodes uh then we have emails so the first email comes from mike who says the planet solas go to so leia can relax well and well, the Senate debates the genocide issues is the world Octavian Grant was under house arrest on. So that's uh, Rathaway. Uh, so that's a callback there. Uh, to Is that just from... Who's it's probably just from Warfare. Or... Or... Yeah. Cause, yeah, when would Octavian Grant actually be in it? Well, he, he would... I think it said Rathaway in the initial like Who's Who article. So I think that probably okay. got pulled from this. Okay. And that one Caraboni, the pirate with an interdictor ISD and a ton of other Imperial hardware had its place in the mystery of the Sith expansion of Jedi Knight 1. Hmm. That is so, interesting. Some more callbacks. I want to play, I want to play that expansion. Because um, that's the one with Mara, right? I'm not sure. I've never played that one. I think that that's one. the one where you train Mara. Hmm. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, Kyle Katarn trains Mara in, that, in one of the expansions. I think it's that one. 
Um, the expansions for that game were pretty long, like 10 levels, I think. I really want to... I uh, One night, I just started playing Jedi Knight 1 to capture footage for a video I was doing on X2, and I ended up playing, like, the first six levels. I was like... <laughs> well, I was a bit worried, because you know those games... Because that one is, like... You know, there's a big jump in difference between Jedi Knight 1 and then Jedi Knight 2. Like, the first one... Or the second one's... Well, Jedi Knight... Jedi Knight is the second Dark Forces game, but it's like still like a DOS game and stuff. Yeah. Uh, like it's like a Doom clone. Well, not as much as the first one, but it is, you know. And those games are hard. So like when I got through the first level and I still had like all my shit and really good supplies, it's like fuck it. And I got to like level six. <laughs> nice. You go through like one level is just going to Kalkatarn's dad's house and it's just like fucking huge. But yeah. <laughs> I thought I disowned you, son. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the next one is from uh, Javier, who says, Hello, Corin. Just noticed some similarities between Jason and Revan. Both prodigies of their time. Both served in horrific and galactic conflicts. Changed their worldviews. Both had female mentors that changed their views on the Force. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, this might be... I uh, just want to get... He wanted to get our thoughts on this. I, mean, I think that's a good comparison. Anything pops to mind for you, Corey? No, uh... I think, uh, like, the Kreia-Lumaya comparison is kind of interesting there. Mm -hmm. uh, like, Lumaya comes more from, like, outside of the direct Jedi and Sith hierarchies. Like, I don't think Kreia really has a Sith master. She just kind of gets to it herself. And Lumaya's more of, like, Vader's semi-apprentice. She, uh, she just studies on the weekends. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. some, some yeah. common ground there. Uh, next is from Chris, who says, Dear Justin Corey, since... NJO and prequels, the Republic and New Republic have been criticized by the fandom as corrupt and tyrannical state that deserves to fail. It doesn't help that both states are the legends or can seem frequently to be anti-Jedi for no reason. Um, however, the Republic's incompetence is kind of necessary as without any failings, there would be no plot. In your opinion, what would be the ideal galactic state to correct the flaws of the Republic? Um, I don't know. Like I think like you kind of pointed on Chris if you have the perfect galactic state, it doesn't make for good reading. Like, um, yeah. I think like, yeah, the, like part of why the new Republic has those elements does make sense. Like when you're reading it from the perspective of the books we do read it, it kind of comes off as like, Oh, why are you doubting these people? Cause like, Oh, we know who the heroes are. We know what they're trying to do. But from the perspective of everyone else, like the Empire came out of the Clone Wars with like the Jedi and Sith doing what they did, and uh, the Jedi were this like impenetrable order, uh, and like there's a lot of reasons people would have to not trust uh, a bunch of independent superheroes who are unaccountable. So as much as like uh, Cal Omas trying to put the Jedi, he doesn't even really try to put them under the Galactic alliance's thumb so much as make them in some way accountable so if you yeah. kind of read it from He's that not perspective as as would be. yeah once you get to dala and when fillet is in she's charge, just it's like, like palpatine yeah that's really dumb but like there are places where the anti-jedi anti-jedi sentiment gets handled a little bit better uh and i actually think darkness is one of the better places for that uh but there's also then just like the fate of the jedi Dala kicking Luke out, and for some reason Dala's in charge, where it just yeah, yeah it, it just undermines we'll talk everything. About that and like point. the legends ends with the Empire just kind of back because 
Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the problem is all these, they overthrow the empire then have the another government with a very strong like central force unlike in in canon they kind of go the opposite way where they give systems a lot of power and then i guess there is less of a big tyrannical government that can turn on you but that's a good question um next up we have badger whacker who has a very interesting subject um do we really need the 27th deep dive of why the prequel Jedi were wrong to limit or outright ban normal unhealthy relationships slash emotions, especially now that we've had nearly two decades of stories across several media types telling us it's a Bantha Poodoo policy? This was in reference to the High Republic. I think um, the, not the one we've read recently, but probably the one before that. Uh, I'll just read this email. I'm just going to let it sit, I think. Um, broke. Criticizing prequel trilogy Jedi as a way to highlight issues with organized religion. Woke. Criticizing prequel trilogy Jedi as a way to highlight issues with the way corporations treat employees. Bespoke. Using prequel Jedi's attachment policy as an allegory for Disney's mistreatment and repression of its young actors. Overall, liking light of the Jedi in the High Republic comics, but as someone who's been a Star Wars fan for nearly 30 years, I find myself having to use the second of the above-mentioned hot takes to get through portions dealing with attachment. Emperor's Black Bones, Jedi, and attachment. That duo is nearly as worn out as A New Hope's Owen and Brew. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Badger Wacker, for that entertaining email. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it is something that's been... I, I, I don't know. I think... Yeah. It's a it's a good comment. Um, do you want to read the next one? I think we got Garrett next. Uh, yes. So, Garrett's asking, in Legends, what way was it decided which authors got large amounts of influence over the universe at large? As something like Timothy Zahn versus Tom Vitch... Or why we got the so-called Denning verse over something like uh, Vonda and McIntyre verse. So <laughs> the biggest part of that money. is just uh, well, the biggest part is just yeah. who got what book contracts when. So like we got yeah. the Denning verse because Troy Denning ended up writing uh, just so much stuff around the same time. Uh, whether Major that's because part of in like three series, yeah, because he did like the he did Star by Star, which had some of the biggest impacts in the NJO. Then he did the Dark Nest trilogy, which really set up some of those characters and what was going to happen next. Then he was one third of the authors doing uh, Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi, as well as doing Crucible. So I don't think there was any like uh, explicit decision of like Troy's our guy for the next little while. It just it's how mm -hmm. those contracts came up. Maybe some of the other authors that they would have gone to were busy or he had these book ideas and he pitched them mm -hmm. uh and that's just what ended up getting published when it did uh because like with the whole timothy zahn versus tom bitch thing part of that is just the a bigger like bantam versus delray discussion where like timothy zahn started off the 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 bantam or not delray uh dark horse where timothy mm -hmm. zahn started off the bantam side of things effectively there was books before him but as far as like the idea of star wars is a more cohesive universe uh yeah where they want you to read this book and the next book and the next book uh, mm -hmm. he got those first books and he also personally didn't want to involve basically anything from uh from dark empire if they had gotten a different author for that who was more receptive to what they wanted for dark empire then those books yeah, yeah it probably would have been different uh, i don't know if it was ever their intention to create one big universe though to be honest like they end up doing not to the degree anyway not to the same degree but like we've kind of had an evolution towards that over time it wasn't just one moment where that was decided mm -hmm. but like the idea initially with the star wars books from 
like heir to the empire onward uh when they got uh george i think in particular to agree to it was the idea that like they were going to treat the books like these blockbusters and they'd follow up Mm -hmm. on each other so there wasn't quite the idea of the expanded universe it was supposed to be like one blockbuster book a year uh, mm-hmm. But then it turned into, oh, we're actually writing 13 at the same time. So there's a bit more yeah. attempts at consistency than there was before it. But there was still those rivalries between like, oh, Delray or uh, Bantam's doing what they're doing. Dark Horse is doing what they're doing. Timothy Zahn was asked to incorporate stuff from from Dark Empire. He didn't want to. He didn't really want to incorporate anything from anyone. So the books ended up getting moved to being before Dark Empire rather than after. But yeah. Just interesting to compare how different the Indiana Jones books are, um, which like the Indiana Jones got its own kind of expanded universe around the same time. Um, I'm just pulling up some of the uh, the books here because some of them have very fun names. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dance of the Giants, Indiana Jones and the Sky Pirates, Indiana Jones and the White Witch, Indiana Jones and the Philosopher's Stone, JK, watch out, uh, Indiana Jones and the Hollow Earth, The Secret of the Sphinx, Army of the Dead, um... It's just like those are all kind of, I I, I think they were all Bantam books as well, um, yeah Bantam, and they're very similar to like how kind of parts of the Star Wars EU are, but I guess they just never really evolved. Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Uh oh, this is I think our best email of the night. Uh, so this one comes from uh, from Pinnacle, who says, "Hello, YouTuber." How are you? We have a proposal for you. Listen. Proposal for mutually benefit cooperation between YouTuber and Pinnacle Studios. Our program is a raster graphics editor. All right. Well, thank you for that very personalized thought. Uh, We here at YouTuber uh, really appreciate your offer, but uh, we're going to have to respect it. It's weird. Like, I'm not 100% sure how they get our email because, like, we don't have a YouTube channel associated with this. No. Because it's like, yeah, so weird uh probably because it's in the description of the videos here but i also don't get that on my datapad email yet me neither i don't get the spam on mine either so but i also don't put that in the description so i think my email is always in mine but anyway uh the final one we get is from joel a common emailer joel he says hello tapgaff um how would you approach pre-High Republic era or aka the Old Republic era? What would you keep? What would you streamline? What would you bring wholesale? What is your pitch to canon Old Republic era? Corey, do you want to handle this one? Uh, just keep all of KOTOR and TOR so I can keep playing expansions for it. I just find it overwhelming, simpler. to be honest, Like even to think yeah. about. I um, I got nothing. Yeah. like It's hard now because the High Republic kind of pushed the timeline around a bit and like what the galaxy was like. Um. I like the idea of, of there being a huge war against the Sith. Other than, other than that, just thinking about it is like... I'm glad I'm not the one who's got to do it. Well, the High Republic does talk about uh, wars against the Sith from thousands mm-hmm. of years before. And then there's the Maxarine. Like, what were they using? The like real stores or, stone, or swords or something? Like stone swords? Like, yeah. They Well, it's more like the... The timeline differences with the High Republic is more making it explicit which areas of the galaxy mm-hmm. are less reachable, and mm-hmm. just hyperspace travel is really the the main thing that's kind of different. Whereas, like you, you have more or you have fewer routes that you can use. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that ends up shaking out. But yep. 
Well, I think that is all for today. So just a reminder, guys, we are traveling to Cloud City, right, next time? Yes, Cloud uh, City, Tyrant's Test, Ronin is probably what it'll be. We'll reconfirm next week, which is definitely Cloud City. Yes, maybe another Young Jedi Knights before Ronin. Like, give us feedback if you guys... Like if you if if you're somebody who likes to read with us, let us know whether you think two days is enough to read Ronin. We have gotten it. Our, I think I'm allowed to say we. Yeah. I've gotten the book. I don't know how. Have you looked how long it is? Is without I saying the exact page no. numbers? Yeah, me neither. Um, so we could so. just say we'll do Young Jedi Knights. Uh, then we'll do Tyrant's Test. Then Young Jedi Knights. Then just the week after we'll do Ronin. Then it's the normal schedule, and we give people. A week to read it but that's what you yeah well let's just think about it yeah. send us your email give us feedback because like there is a, a bit of a benefit to us for covering stuff right as it comes out yeah um although oh wait when does visions come out though because does it won't visions be out does visions come out at the same time as Roman? i thought it would be i thought it came out first or is it the 22nd let me see star wars vision comes out 22nd yeah okay so, so we'll probably we'll, end up talking about that we'll probably but... do visions then uh, yeah, so we... Easy enough. Yeah, because that'll be the Thursday episode mm-hmm. instead of Tyrant's Test. So maybe Ronin the week after that, then. Okay, or so no, Tyrant's cause... Test... Will... So do we do Crisis at Cloud City, or oh, yeah. Trouble at Cloud City, Visions, Ronin, Tyrant's Test? We might want to do... We might want to do Ronin on the week, the next week, so we can... Because um... I feel like if we leave two weeks between these books we might forget but yeah send us your feedback right. let us we'll know what you guys want and we'll we'll let you guys know for next episode read young jedi knights next time that's mm-hmm. what we got before yep. actually before we go uh s a b c d e f oh this is a b for me yeah i'm thinking probably around b i really need to get that spreadsheet off you we can finish that okay. off and we'll get okay. it posted somewhere uh, someone Remind did me, me mid this episode. week, and I will do it. I'll I'll okay. spend one day when I've got Imogen in the morning, and I'll just I'll get it done. Okay, sounds okay. good. All right, right, everyone, we will be streaming our other podcast, the X Two Podcast, in about twenty five minutes, um, over on youtubecom slash X Two. So if you want to stop by there, having a few drinks, and it'll be fun. See you guys then. Right. Bye everyone. Bye bye.